Hello everyone and welcome to the Athlete Tribe podcast. I'm your host Lee Eldridge. In this podcast we'll be talking to elite coaches, practitioners, athletes and high achievers about how to improve performance. We'll be covering topics such as training, improving your sport, work and overall life. I hope you enjoy the show today. Please feel free to leave a review. Today we're joined by Laura who is a communications expert. Laura, a pleasure to meet you. If you could just give us a, a kind of short one or two minutes of your background and what's led you to have a, a career in communications. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Lee. That's, that's lovely. Um, well, what's led me to have a career in communications, I think, eventually is a love of words. Um, even from childhood, I always liked reading and writing and I like languages and I um, started out, I'm, I'm Italian, so I started out with an idea that I wanted to be an English teacher. Um, I like the English language and, um, um, and the history and the culture. So I, I really got into that from quite an early age. And as my studies progressed, I went into university and did uh, foreign languages. I did English and Russian. So that love of communication and talking to other people and interacting with other culture was pretty much always there. Not quite sure where from, because in my family, nobody's particularly well-traveled. We're a very regular Lombard family from Milan so that that little bug was uh, somehow there from an early age and um, after my degree and working a couple of years in Milan I moved to London where my um, career in communications took off in earnest I started working um, for a financial PR agency um, so lots of um, corporate and um, sort of financial transaction type of work and um, after a short while, I went in-house, which was really my dream and my ambition. And that's where um, truly my development as a comms director um, started. I was um, for a long time working in finance, so capital markets and banking. And then I moved into healthcare, um, working with some really cool brands. I've been very fortunate to have some experiences in really large um, mainstream brands uh, in the UK and internationally, which has been very rewarding. Um, and now I'm taking a little break. I'm doing some consulting work um, and deciding um, where I want to live and where I want to go, considering there's a pandemic going on that has somewhat um, been helpful in a way to take a break and reflect. But at the same time, you know, it's it stopped us all from moving forward. So fingers crossed I can make a decision soon whether I want to stay in London or maybe it's time to um, try something different after 20 years in London. So it's quite an exciting time and a little bit unsettled, to be fair. Excellent. And with that massive background, all those 20 years of working in, in comms, what do you think are the, the, the couple biggest skills that you've seen in some of the, the good communicators you've worked with or, 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 or learnings that you've taken from those, those 20 years? Gosh, 20 years, it sounds far too long. <laughs> um, well, I, I have to say that's... Um, I think it's kind of an easy answer in a way. Um, I think communications is mostly about the audience um, because the, the whole purpose is obviously to connect with your audience and to pass some messages to them. Um, and so I think the main skills that I've observed in people that communicate well, and we can see this in charismatic, leader, charismatic leaders around the world, is the ability to understand the audience, to get the audience and connect with them. Um, I like to think about it um, is the ability to meet the audience where they can access your message. 
um, because you can have the most interesting messages or the, you can have the biggest knowledge. There are people that are incredibly knowledgeable about their area specialty, but they can't meet the audience where that message is accessible. So to me, if you ask me the top quality is that, and it is a trainable quality, you can build it, but also there is a little bit of being innately good um, at that. So it is a little bit of a gift in a way. Um, and as a consequence of that, or as a side to that, the other big skill that I think is super important and I've observed in good communicators is the ability to shape your own messages again, in a way that has clarity and is um, accessible um, and that is relatable for people. Um, there's, there's a way, of, you know, we talk, there's a lot of talk about narrative at the moment. This is important storytelling. It's a very hot word. Um, storytelling in reality is just the ability to calibrate your message and present it in a way that your audience can receive it well and easily and can sort of digest it quite successfully. So those are probably the two main qualities, I'd say, relating to the audience, adapting yourself to the audience, understanding what they need and how they need it, and then presenting your story and your message in that way. Sounds yeah, easy. I think back now that of some of the, the great coaches I've worked with, how those two skills were, were clear in terms of being able to take complex knowledge and make it sound really easy and simple for everybody to understand, and then having a a clear principle of, of what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. And then the flip side is what are the biggest mistakes that we all make from a communications point oh. of view? Well, um, we've all been in those long presentations, haven't we? Um, but you just want to <laughs> go to sleep. <laughs> and uh, there is a, a challenge with delivering um, good communications, of course. And so the mistakes often that, that come across, particularly in my experience in the corporate world, of course, so I often think of corporate um, executives and the challenges they might have had. There's challenges in delivery. So some people are just struggling to get a good pace of their speech. There's this technical abilities of the delivery. And there's challenges of content and, and sort of um, the, the actual root problem of, of poor communications. Often, I think the, the biggest mistake is uh, trying to say too much. Um, particularly in the corporate world, executives are people that have huge intelligence, huge experience, loads of things to say, and they want to get it all across in one go. And so they try to cram into their speech or their presentation five, 10 messages. And that is too much. So I think that's the biggest mistake, try not, not, not being able to narrow it down to three, four, maximum five messages that the audience can retain. And it's not that the other messages wouldn't be interesting. They're probably just as interesting, but there's a limit to what the audience can uh, take in. And so trying to cram too, in, too much in is a really typical mistake. And it's a hard one to fight because there's so many important things that people want to get across. Um, and then that leads to frustration on both parts because the audience gets bored and the executive or the communicator um, feels that, why are they not getting it? Why are they not engaged? So that, that can be quite a negative dynamic. Um, another point that I have seen sometimes in, in my career working with senior execs um, is a little bit of difficulty in having a relatability. That, that there's a lot of talk about authenticity at the moment, and it's yeah. it's a little bit of a buzzword, but but it is true. Um, people need to resonate with you and to be able to relate. And so, if you are a corporate executive, like the people I would coach or I would work with, it, already you are somebody who's in a different 
claim to most people um, in terms of career achievement, um, income, level of education, intelligence, level of lifestyle. So there is already a bit of a disconnect between the general audience and the speaker. And so um, I think it's, it's often the case that they fail uh, a little bit in um, finding that relatability element. Um, and that can be achieved in many ways, but uh, it, it takes a little bit of work. That is a technicality that can be learned. Uh, and it goes back to having your messages clear and that ability to connect with the audience. But those are probably the two biggest general point. One other element that um, often comes up in corporate communications with executives and mistakes and, and then issues arise from is the inability or unwillingness to apologize when something has gone wrong. And that is a very corporate um, challenge. And I know that then, you know, when there are crises, there's often lawyers involved and um, there's, there's many reasons why it's hard to just uh, say publicly, okay, we got it wrong, sorry. But that is, that is often a huge mistake that happens and it tends to happen when you really need to not make any more mistakes because you're probably already slightly in hot waters um, if you're at that point. So those are, I think, probably the most common um, errors that I've come up against in my career. This might be a slightly off the tangent, but um, obviously with what's gone on from a, from a coaching point of view, there are a lot more coaches now online or, or, or going through this process of communicating to, to their audience or, or to potential clients. And one thing that comes back to me or people say about your unique selling points now, from a from a communications point of view, is there any advice that you could give us from or, or from your learnings of what what a USP or how to get a USP across? Um, well, I, I think we shouldn't apologize for personal style. So it's it's important, yeah. you know, what is each of us is unique by definition. So we would all have our little quirks in how we communicate, and um, although there are those characteristics that I spoke about, that it's important to have because those are baseline good communication skills. I think it's important to maintain that, that authenticity and uh, to be able to be yourself and to, you know, some people like to make a joke, some people have um, certain metaphors that they like to use. I think those little touches, particularly in a moment where we're communicating virtually and it's harder to read body language and it's hard to, even the tone of voice comes across different um, by a Zoom call than you would if you were in a room with somebody. I think it's important to probably slightly over um, emphasize the human element that helps you cut through. There's also so much going on. There's so much communication everywhere. We are all a bit over bombarded Definitely. Um, by lots of information. And um, I think it's also important to accept that um, you can't reach everybody successfully. So it goes back to being important. What do you want to achieve? And to whom is it really important to communicate for you? What is it that your company or your brand or yourself are trying to achieve? And in that way, the advice would be just be very clear on who you are and who you're speaking to. And that hopefully from there, keep that authentic message and that genuine. If you think about charisma, the successful communicators in history that, that we all think about, you know, it, it's about being quite unique and being uh, truthful to yourself and the way that you communicate and, and people generally react more positively to somebody that's genuine or they might even not enjoy a certain person or a certain brand but they will respect the authenticity so to me that would be the main advice that we can try to stick to who you are with the, obviously the correct coaching and the correct positioning but um, I think it's very important because you've worked in globally 
or global companies and surely the communication or you know gets lost in translation and i've had it you know a couple of times with yeah coaching clients and or people speaking to me how how do you get about that if you're trying to get across a clear narrative of a message well that that is the million dollar question i think that is probably the hardest um it's also the most interesting personally for me um it does get lost in translation quite literally <laughs> sometimes um uh, i probably feel i feel quite fortunate that i am I, I have professionally grown up in, in London, but I'm Italian. I'm not, I'm not English. I'm not British. I am technically British now, but um, so I've, I've felt it firsthand being the slightly different person in the room that communicates a little bit different. Um, so for me, it's, it's been stimulating and going about um, communicating in a, in a diverse, to, to a diverse audience and to in a diverse organization, particularly, I think this comes up a lot in internal communications within corporates. Um, it's important, um, I think, never to assume anything. We need to be um, extremely clear, a little bit, maybe um, simplifying the messages a little bit. I wouldn't make assumptions about language of communication either. Of course, you know, if you're a US corporation or an English UK corporation, you would communicate in English, yeah. fine. However, wherever possible, I think we need to remember that not everybody is a native speaker. Um, that things do get lost in translation, that there are cultural norms as to how people like to receive communication. Some countries are very hierarchical. You can do a town hall and nobody will dare ask a question and the chief executive sits there upset that nobody has asked. But um, it, so you need to be mindful of those nuances when you are operating across culture and try to find um, a little bit of a, of a uh, steady state that suits um, the audiences across, across the globe. And, uh, of course, it goes without saying, but maybe it's what people should inform themselves about the cultural norms of the country or the particular area that they're going into, particularly if it's very different. I have been very fortunate to have global teams um, for a long time, and I, I really did have to work quite hard at the beginning, particularly the first time I traveled to the Middle East and I uh, needed to really learn a ton of stuff, um, especially being a Western female, my Chinese team completely different it couldn't be more different from my Italian background so I think that's important work to do but it's also very stimulating and if you don't like it maybe you shouldn't be <laughs> doing it in the first place I suspect but um, it can go wrong but it also can go very right and it can give you a lot of reward if you really uh, manage to get your messages across through that you know different landscape of languages and cultural norms. And now to add on probably even more complexity is is obviously with covid and how that's affecting communication and now you know some countries are lucky enough or, or seem to be coming out of it and people are starting to go back into the offices mm -hmm. and, and doing hybrid meetings how do you think that's going to affect communication going forward in the next six months for example um I think that this has been possibly the biggest um, revolution alongside with the onset of digital communications. This has really been the biggest revolution um, for, for communications, particularly because it has completed and accelerated the digitalization of all channels um, and all means of communications. Events, not as we know them anymore. So there's been so much um, going on. I think hopefully going forward, um, as, as it's safe again to be uh, physically in the same spaces with other people. I think probably 
we'll go back to a mixed um, setup of working from home and working from the office, which personally I think will be better. I, for communications function as a comms leader, um, aside from being a very sociable person, so for me it's been a torture, um, but generally speaking as a leader in comms, it's very hard for a comms function to be disparate um, in the way that it's been in the last year. Because by nature of the profession and the things that we're trying to deliver, it's particularly important to sit together and talk and discuss and brainstorm and uh, run projects. So maybe a two days, three days split, work from home, work from the office, I think would probably be quite ideal because there's also another element. Everybody was um, maybe happy about more working from home at the beginning, but I also would say um, it has blown away any boundaries of uh, you know, home time and work time. Yeah. And the burnout is a real problem. Communications is by its nature, a machine that never stops. So it's already a very full on profession. And the conditions are often quite intense, particularly this has been crisis mode for 15 months. People are really tired. Mm-hmm. And I think not being able to go away from the office and back home and have a, a scenery change literally has been really hard. So I think some balance would actually be a good thing. I wouldn't go back full time to the office personally. Um, I think it's good to have some more balance. It's opened up more opportunities for a number of people that can't necessarily move um, back and forth the office at home all the time. So I think we should preserve that. But hopefully we, we will do that. And digital comms and virtual meetings, virtual events, they're here to stay. So hopefully we will, you know, I think the pendulum has swung, you know, from one extreme to the other and hopefully we'll settle somewhere in the middle. But there's a lot of good learnings and the technology has come a long way. We've done things in the last year that have been amazing um, in terms of communicating with new technologies and using existing technology. So hopefully it should be good for comms, I think. It should be good. And now you've just touched on a, a, a big area of wellness, which is a massive word. And it has been for, for many years, but even more so it's been highlighted over the last 15 months. And... I know that you're you're a keen athlete and you you enjoy your sports and how do you think that's kind of helping you with your well-being and, and what you're getting up to? Ah, uh, personally, yes, I am absolutely um, uh, obsessed and passionate about sports. And in fact, I often, even in my communications, uh, sports metaphors and sport language is is quite a big uh, feature um, because it's so ingrained in 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 my experience. I started doing sports at six years old, which is quite a long time ago, um, without giving away too much. And I was a competitor, a competitive volleyball player for, for a long time from the age of 13 to about 23. And then I've always been sporty. So that's really literally my, my blueprint in a way of how I operate. I think there are, for me, um, and not only obvious physical benefits, because you know I don't need to teach anybody that doing sports is good for your body and for your health, so there's, there's all that general health, um, which is super important for anyone. I find it for me, certainly, it helps me um, eliminate some of the anxiety and the stress that can come um, from the situations. And comms can be quite high-octane environment. And the executives we work with can be quite high-octane. So having an outlet, that's a very simple physical outlet. You switch the brain off, you start the running, the whatever. I play tennis, I do weights. So you, whatever your choice is. I think it's really helpful in that way for me. Um, there's a little bit for some people, it's a helpful outlet to channel some aggression because we all have a level of competitiveness and aggression that needs to be uh, channeled correctly. It's very useful, but you need to manage it. And 
we see all the colleagues that don't do it correctly sometimes <laughs> and what happens in the office dynamics. So I think sport is a very good um, channel for that. I'm, I'm super supportive of people doing exercise and I've always been nagging my team to do that. Um, you do get more physical strength and energy when the hours are long and you're tired. Um, being sporty really does help um, because you're just more, you have more endurance and more stamina anyway. So I also find um, I used to travel a lot to the States, particularly. Um, I've never really struggled with jet lag. And I really think that's also because of exercise. And I would unfailingly do a workout no matter what time zone. And it helps you get into, into that. So it does help push your body through stuff that it's not exactly natural for the body to go through. Um, and then there's a whole enormous chapter of um, sort of mentality and mental benefits that come from exercise and started from, um, as far as I'm concerned, the, uh, a lot of the skills and um, abilities that I have benefited from in my career. I absolutely credit my sports um, career for um, not only, you know, the, the, the discipline and the um, motivation and the drive, um, you know, that really you can cultivate um, through sport and then you can obviously use in your, in your working life. Um, the teamwork, uh, in my case, I think it was very helpful as a volleyball player. I learned at an early age that you don't necessarily like everybody that works around you, but you have to learn to work together. Um, I also learned super importantly that every role has equal value in a team. In the corporate hierarchy, it's very easy to be misled to think, well, I'm the boss, I'm more important. You have more responsibility. You're not necessarily more important because if you don't have a top, top quality secretary, there's so much stuff that you will fail at. So yeah. there's no looking down at any roles in the team. And, and this, I think sport helped me understand very early on. So I never struggled with that. Um, I also think that if you do sports, you learn to accept losses by early on. Uh, <laughs> nobody likes to lose. I certainly don't like to lose, <laughs> but you accept that that happens and it happens quite often if you're competing. And you also learn to accept that there's always somebody better than you. There's so many people that are better than you in sports and in the career, they're brighter, they're sharper, and that doesn't need to be um, a factor of insecurity. Uh, it, it, you know, the sports background has helped me turn that into um, stimulation to do better and also genuine admiration for people that have better talents um, so I, I do yeah I'm a big advocate for that particularly for women I very easily get on my hours when I think about girls doing sport I think it's so 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 important for their life in general and for their prospect of career success I truly believe it yeah I could not agree all, all the points there are you know spot on in terms of the benefits of, of physical activity and and how it's affecting or, or the lack of physical activity if we flipped mm -hmm. it. Well, thanks for your time today. It's been super interesting to talk to you about lots of different areas. If people mm -hmm. are interested and wants to ask you a question or a follow-up question, where would be the best place to get in contact with you? Um, LinkedIn would be great. Um, Laura Vergani, um, maybe we can pop it in the, in the show notes, but um, that's probably the best way. And I'd love to, I'd love to hear feedback and any questions and um, have any conversation with, with your listeners. Excellent. Thank you again for your time and have a great rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Thanks a lot, Lee. Bye-bye.